So how many of you guys, uh, whether you were maybe back in the day or maybe you still are, how many of you guys are like fans of math? <laughs> Man, that's a, that's a loaded question, right? I mean, I, I told somebody today we we're talking about two things that were really exciting to people, just draws them in. You know, math is one of them, right? Um, yeah, mathematics. You guys know mathematics, right? There's subtraction, there's addition, there's all of a sudden you start, I start, I start saying things like um, derivatives and coefficients and all of a sudden some people start glazing over and then you start talking about like um, uh, imaginary numbers, you know, and you lose half the crowd. Okay, but then math also has pi, right? And everybody loves pi, right? So... Um, but math, yeah, math is an amazing, it, math is actually, uh, when you look at it, it's really just, it's a language. It's a language that's spoken. It is a language that allows us at times to really define and to understand some of the, those hidden kind of underpinnings of the whole universe. It's kind of an amazing thing that we can see that. And what we have found through math is that, is that this universe is pretty uh, intentionally, pretty tightly, pretty finely tuned, in a finely tuned kind of way, it, it's, it's very well underpinned. I mean, it's a very complex, but very um, uh, unique and very um, just beautiful kind of uh, universe, the way that it's put together. And it's held by the, the math. And, and math, it, it's so finely tuned, it's so kind of, math has helped us see that so clearly that there are some that just through the math alone are being led to this conclusion that, you know, there has to be someone behind the math, behind the design of what's going on. Just through what they're seeing, that math is kind of opening up as this language, what they're seeing in this universe. They're saying, this, this, there's no way that this could have happened on its own. And, and those of us who you, know, who know Jesus, who know God, and we're going, well, yeah, you know, God's behind it. God came up with everything. God put this together. Um, and, and he was the one that designed the math that is so... Um, this beautiful kind of language that, that people are starting to see kind of his fingerprints um, on the universe because of this language. But there are times, tell me if this isn't true, there are times that God's math doesn't make as much sense to us, right? Is that true? Right? There are some things that we can't, we can't understand. In the um, story of the prodigal son we've been looking at for the last several weeks, um, Jesus touches on one of these things in God's math that doesn't make as much sense. Is this whole thing about forgiveness, right? Because the equation goes something like this. Somebody comes into your life, and because of what they do, they leave a huge deficit, right? That's subtraction. That's like they just, they take this chunk out. And then they leave, and they seem to get off scot-free, and, and what it leaves you with is it leaves you with this whole, and what God says is you just add forgiveness, which means that you let them get away with what they just did. You just kind of let it go. That if you add forgiveness, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden your life is better. You're going, that, that math, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't look right on paper. That math I don't get. Anybody agree with me? I mean, some of you guys know exactly. Most of us have a story about somewhere where somebody's come in and they've done something very, very, I mean, it could have been betrayal, it could have been, it could have been trauma. I mean, it could have been something that has traumatized you that every day you wake up, you face this thing. It could be something that's, and, and constantly there are those little things, but most of us have this story where there's something, and when we read that equation, we go, I, I, don't, see, I don't see how that could ever, ever work. I don't trust that that would ever work. 
In our story, the reality is, is that is that this father shows this kind of forgiveness because when the son comes back to what he had done, he just devastated the father, he had devastated the home. And yet the father, when he comes back, he lets that go. He lets that debt go. And not just lets it go, but it's, it's more that he, he takes it on himself. He takes on the implications of that. But in that story, what's implied by Jesus is this is the way and they're not just here, but in other parts of Scripture, too, in other parts of the Bible. It's like, that's the type of math we should be reflecting in our lives. That's the type of approach we should be reflecting in our lives with other people who have done devastating things to us, that there should be this thing um, called forgiveness. Well, that's, that's, that's hard. Amen? Amen? That's just hard. Today, we're going to stray a bit from our, our Luke 15, where the story of the prodigal is, and we're going to look at another story that Jesus told about forgiveness, because forgiveness is in the prodigal, but um, there's a story that he specifically talks about this. So let's stand together. We're going to look at Matthew 18, it's verses 21 through 35, Matthew 18. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and, he's, and Peter comes up, and he asks Jesus, he says, Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me? and I forgive him, up to seven times. And he's thinking he's being pretty generous there, right? If your brother does the same thing against you seven times, do I forgive him seven times? And Jesus answered, he says, not up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven times. Okay, now, man, I, I wish I could dig into just those numbers because there's a whole story that comes out of the book of Genesis that Jesus isn't just picking random numbers. There's so much just in those two verses, but we're gonna go on. Because I want you to, because it's like, there's the first math, right? 70 times 7, right? There's the first math, but then he tells this, this story problem. He gives him a story problem, right? And he says, so it's like this. Uh, For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who is settling accounts with his servants. And right at the outset, as he's settling this, one was brought to him that owed him 10,000 talents. Now this is about, this is tens of millions of dollars, Okay. Um, keep that in your head, math. Here we go. But uh, he did not have any way to repay his debt, obviously. So the king commanded that he be sold along with his wife and his children and all that he had. And you think, that's horrible. The king is doing two things here. One, he's trying to reclaim whatever he can get out of it, but he's also, he's saying, you know what, I gotta cut off the bleeding. I gotta quit, stop the bleeding, right? As long as this guy's around, the money just keeps going out, Okay. The servant fell to the ground, bowed before the king, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you back everything. Well, yeah, Um, we'll look at that. Uh, The king felt compassion. Now, do you remember this? We saw this in the the story of the the prodigal. Fathers felt compassion. Here the king feels compassion for his servant and released him and forgave the debt. But then that servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii which is a few thousand dollars. And he seized the other servant and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe me. His fellow servant fell to the ground and began to plead with him. Do you remember these words? He was saying, have patience with me and I will pay you back everything. Now, this was doable, right? This is a couple thousand dollars as opposed to tens of millions of dollars. This servant probably could have pulled that off over given, given some time. But this first servant was unwilling and he threw the second service into prison 
the servant into prison until he had paid back what he owed. Some of the other servants of the king saw what had happened. They were deeply grieved. And they came and reported it to the king and reported all that had happened. So the king summoned the first servant and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you your huge debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow servant in the same way that I had mercy on you? This time moved with anger, the king handed over the servant to his merciless jailer. Now, the jailer wasn't hired to be merciful, right? The king could be merciful. So he says he, hired, he t- handed him over to his merciless jailer to keep him basically in torment, in oppression, in distress, until he would pay back all that was owed him. And then listen to this conclusion. So my heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. We don't like that math, do we? We don't even like it. We we try and take verses like that and we either don't read them or we put them away. We're going to need to unpack that. We're going to need to, and we're going to in a little bit. But you guys, that's, that's some of the tough math. Tough math on one side, but beautiful math on the other. We love the forgiveness part, right? We just have a hard time with the forgiving part. But that is literally some of the math that underpins the whole universe because that is the math that, is the math that really defines and describes the heart of God. So somehow, this math, this is what we need to learn. This is what we learn how to reflect so that we might be a part of God's household. God's family, God's people reflect his nature. Amen? Amen. Today's message is is titled Home Economics. (laughs) Father, we want to thank you because we love, we love the forgiveness we receive. We do. And the way it washes over, there's nothing like knowing that you're free from that debt that that other person could have held against you. There's nothing like that, especially the debt that we have against, against the account we have with you. And to know that that's been, been freed in the Psalms. The psalmist wrote, he said, how, how blessed is the one whose, whose sins are forgiven, basically whose debt has been canceled, who has had that relief just wash over them and realize those, those things are not standing on the books anymore. And because of you, Jesus, because of you. So we thank you for that. But you're also showing us that there's something. There's something about being in this house then and about standing in that forgiveness that then it requires something of us. It requires of us that we extend that same kind of mercy, that same kind of forgiveness. And and that can be challenging. And so God, uh, we ask that you would be here in the gentleness of your spirit in the clarity of your voice and your wisdom, give us eyes to see the things that we need to see so that we can be the people that you desire us to be, that we desire to be, walking with you. Teach us about this thing called forgiveness. Teach us more about the forgiveness we've received from you, but also teach us more about how we can extend it. Even in some of the hardest cases, that we can, they, they come to mind. They come to mind immediately, Lord things that we hold against others and we hold others to. Father, teach us how we might 
also um, reflect your heart, reflect your, reflect your math <laughs> in the way that we relate to one another, the way that we show your love through our lives. So Lord, be with us this morning. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, that he would be lifted up to give glory to you by the power of your spirit. Amen. 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 Have a seat. Okay, you guys ready? <laughs> okay, I'm going to start on a very serious note. When I was in high school and college, uh, one of the comic strips I loved <laughs> was Calvin and Hobbes. Now, if you guys don't know Calvin and Hobbes, Calvin's a little boy. He has a stuffed tiger that he's named Hobbes, and he pretends that this stuffed tiger is real. And so the comic strip is filled with the conversations and the adventures that he goes on with his, his um, imaginary friend, his tiger. So um, Calvin and Hobbes, uh, one of the themes that picks up in Calvin and Hobbes all the time is that he hates math. He can't understand math. In fact, he would rather go with no math or else with what he calls Calvin math um, before he'd try and make any sense of what he sees in the textbook. So he's always sitting down doing his homework and trying to figure out this math. So in this one strip, Calvin and Hobbes are sitting at this desk. So he's sitting there next to his tiger, and uh, they're looking at, and Calvin's doing his math, and he's, <clears throat> he's reading out this, this problem, this setup, this definition that's coming in his math book, and it says, um, one bushel is a unit of weight equal to four pecks. And he turns to Hobbes, his tiger, he says, what's a peck? And Hobbes looks at him with this, you know, he always has this like innocent, you know, grin, like he knows everything. A peck is a quick smooch. <laughs> so then they both look at the book. Finally, Calvin says, I don't understand this math at all. A peck is a quick smooch. Four smooches make up one bushel. What does that have to do with math, right? You know, there are times that I think that we read God's word and we read his math. And we're thinking, I don't get it. I don't understand how this has to do with that. I don't understand how that relates, how that has... I don't see how if I put this into practice, that's going to affect anything that I care about, right? Um, His math doesn't always... It doesn't make sense. How is it that if we give to others generously, for example... We give generously, even to those who can never pay us back, that somehow God says, our life's going to be blessed. How does that work out? How does it work out that if I put others first, and I don't think about myself, that somehow my life is going to be taken care of? How is it that if I forgive others for the ways that they have defrauded me, if I just let it go that somehow that's going to bring peace and actually, God says, in really abundance to my life. How? Because God's math, it just, we read that stuff and it just, it doesn't make sense. But, and that last one, that last one seems to be the toughest. I mean, generosity, we can be generous every once in a while. I can be kind and, you know, put others first, but forgiving people, letting go of those things where they have really deeply hurt me. And yet, it also seems to be one of the, those kind of core components that God seems, says this is one of the fundamental things that's going on in this universe. Uh, in Exodus 34, 6, we've looked at this passage. Exodus 34, 6 and 7, God is speaking to Moses and he's saying, this is who I am. So he's, he is revealing to Moses kind of the central core of his character. And he says this, he says, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, We've looked at these, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and faithfulness. And then he goes on in 7, 
He says, who keeps or guards his kindness for thousands. So there's kindness and who forgives. So he has these two things that he stands out there and he says, there's my kindness and there's my forgiving. And those are the two actions that come out of who I am that you'll recognize. And then in Ephesians 4.32, in, in 5.1 it says, by doing the things that it mentions in 4.32, we will show ourselves to be God's own children reflecting him. As, as obedient children, we'll reflect his nature. If we do these things that it's talking about in 4.32, it says, so be kind to one another. There's that kindness again. Tenderhearted, forgiving each other. So again, those very things that he brought out and said, this is who I am. And he said, if you want to show that you're my children, what are you going to reflect? You'll reflect kindness and forgiveness. So there's these like, two important core things. So if we say, what does it mean to reflect the heart of God? What does it mean to show other people the heart of God? Kindness, yeah, we get that part. So we, we go out and we try and be kind to people. But there's this specific, um, this specific way that we show his kindness. Also, which is called forgiveness. So it's in that too. That shows the heart of God. That's just not a, a general kindness towards someone who's, who's going to be kind to you. That's a kindness that goes way beyond that. That overflows with kindness. Even to those who don't deserve it. And that's shown through, through this thing called forgiveness. That's what we find in the story of the prodigal. That's what we find the father doing when he goes out and he meets the prodigal. That's what we find this king doing when the, the, the servant. And there's this deep, and it, it's really it's a challenging kind of a, a course that this father takes of, of forgiving his son. And it's one that God says he, he challenges us to reflect the same kind of forgiveness. So, so in our story, in our story, we see the same thing. We see the same thing in the story about this unforgiving servant. We see the same kind of quality brought up about kindness, but also about, unforgi- or about forgiveness. Except this time, Jesus, like, he puts this exclamation point at the end of it, right? That's just shocking. And it kind of rattles us. And, and we're going to look at that in a second. But let's, let's look at the details of this story first. First of all, there's a servant, and he owes, he owes this king ten, tens of millions of dollars, right? Now, one of the questions that should come up in our mind, and when you're reading scripture, you're looking at it, one of the questions that should come up is, how in the world do you get that kind of debt? How do you rack up that kind of, that means that this guy is, he is spending money. He is like spending money at such an enormous rate every day of his life to get to that point. He's gone on, he's gone on decades spending enormous amounts of money every single day to get to tens of millions of dollars. This is back in the day where you didn't have like a rocket ship that you could spend tens of millions of dollars on immediately, right? I mean, this is back in the day where you had, that was a lot of chariots, right? It's a lot of horses and a lot of food and a lot of stuff. So here's this guy and he's spending it. And we have to ask, how did he do that? And why does Jesus have such a huge number? Again, here's the math. Why does he have such a huge number? Well, I think that he's bringing out something about the nature of the debt that we have with God. Okay? There are several things that come out in this. How in the world do we rack up <laughs> the kind of debt that we have with God that actually is great enough that, I mean, it, it, we forfeit our lives before God because of the, the debt that we have with him. Okay? 
Now, I want to tell you guys something about this. In this story, we tend to, when we look at stuff like this, we tend to minimize what we owe, right, when we hear a story like this, and we maximize what other people owe us, don't we? So the offenses that other people, you go, well, I can understand why I should be mad at this person for doing this, but I can't understand why God would be mad at me for doing because I haven't done that much, right? Which it doesn't mean that's true. It just means that we tend to have a perspective that we try and keep ourselves in the clear as much as possible, whether or not it's true. Because what Jesus says is that actually we have a debt that we have been spending money at an enormous rate that doesn't belong to us, that belongs to God. And we've been getting ourselves every day of our lives. And it keeps going out and keeps going out and keeps going out. And it doesn't stop. So second thing. (laughs) He comes to, um, the servant comes to the king and he says, he says, give me some time and I'll pay you back. Well, if you look at just the equation of that, you're going, that can never happen. The amount of time that it, spent, it took him to spend that kind of money, he doesn't even have that kind, of, that kind of time left. And aside from that, he doesn't have the means to get the kind of money that he's already spent, right? It, that's never going to happen. And so the second thing that should come to mind is that there's no way. There's no way that this guy could ever work hard enough to pay the king back. Just like there was no way that the son could ever come back for the prodigal and, and work for his father long enough or hard enough to ever pay back the debt that he owed. Just like we can never work hard enough to pay God back for what we owe, for what we've lost, for what we've messed up. We can't work hard enough. For a couple of reasons. One, we can't go back ever and undo anything that we've done. Right? We can't go back in time and, and redo. There are no redos. It's there. Second is, anything that we do from here on out, let's say that I'm good from here on out. Does that even touch that? No. It just means I'm being what I should have been back there, but I'm being it now. That's good for now. That's not good for then. In the story, it comes out like this. Here's this slave. How is he going to earn back money to pay the king? Well, I'll get a job with you, the king, and you'll pay me your money so I can pay you back your money that I owed you because I wasted your money. And, and while I'm at that, I need you to pay me some money so I can stay alive just to do the work to earn the money to pay you back of your money to your... This is, which is the same with the father, Right? Son comes back, I'll be a hired hand and I'll work and I'll pay you back. With what? With the money, your money that I'll get from you. Well, you keep me alive to work to get you the money back that I got from you that was your money to begin with. Which is what we talk to God about, don't we? God, I'll be good. From here on, I'll work hard. I'll do, I'll do whatever you want. So you're going to earn from me the favor the goodness that's mine to give to begin to give it back to right the math doesn't work which is why the only thing that can set us right with god is compassion and forgiveness that's it it's the only option we have we cannot work hard enough to pay god back for what we've lost 
for what we've messed up in our lives, for what we've messed up in other people's lives, for what we've messed up in this world. We can't work hard enough or long enough because it's all his anyway. All that's left is compassion and forgiveness. Compassion being that, that, that just stirring love that compels God towards us to rescue, to bless, to love, to pull us out of the pit. That love that God has for us. That and forgiveness where he just graciously cancels the debt. You guys, that's the story of Jesus, right? Do we get that? Do we get that? Do we get it that we can't work hard enough for So all that's left is Jesus. His death that paid the debt. His death that actually absorbed the cost of our debt so that our debt could be cleared. And then God doesn't just stop it. He just doesn't level it out there. He instead, he like heaps on eternal life to, to us. So it's not just that he like cancels the debt so we're even. He says, and then just, I'll give you life. That's the story of Jesus. Do we understand that? Hmm. Yeah, not really. But then our story goes on, right? And it tells about this. So a couple days later, the servant finds someone who owes him a couple hundred denarii, or a hundred denarii, which is a denarii is what you earn in the course of a day. So he owes him a hundred days' wages, a third of a year's wages, right? Which is a debt that he could have easily paid back. You, you put that over like five years, he can pay him back, right? It's, it's a doable thing for him to, to pay this guy back. And again, normal-sized debt uh, he would be able to pay it back, so his appeal, give me time, I'll pay you back, that was, that was actually, it was legitimate. He could have done this. Um, now, when we read this story and we look at that and we say, okay, so is what Jesus saying is that our debt with God is huge, but these things that we do to each other, that they really aren't, they're inconsequential, Right? Because when we say that, we immediately go, but I know this thing that this other person did to me that was not ins- inconsequential, right? We go, that, that, left, that left this open kind of wound that I've been dealing with ever since. We say, that, that doesn't seem right. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying compared to the debt that we owe to God, yes, it is not, I mean, that's, that's the distance. So as bad as that was, then take that times tens of millions, okay? If you want to know really what your debt is to God. So again, get yourself out of that that thing of kind of maximizing the the offense to you and minimizing your offense to God. Just take the math that God gives you and say, okay, if you want to know, then your, as bad as that was, the worst thing that's happened to you, take that times tens of millions if you want to know what this cost Jesus. Okay, just... Any one of us. Okay? And we don't, we don't like touching that. We don't like touching that because we, like, we don't like the verses that tell us, you know, the heart is wicked and who can understand it. Right? We don't like touching that thing that there's none righteous, not even one. No one seeks after God. We don't, we don't like those verses that call us out for being sometimes as broken and as, as just as messed up as we are, right? But this is bringing that out. So it's not minimizing what's happened. It's not minimizing the, the offense that you may have and the, and the trauma or the hurt that you have suffered. 
but it is trying to give perspective on, on, on what we have done in our relationship with God. So, but but this, this, um, this servant comes over. Uh, the other thing in that is we should recognize that these, because of this, right, that, um, you know, in our, we forfeited our life with God because of what we've done. This person who, you know, whatever happened to us, it was, it was immediate. It wasn't like this daily kind of withdrawal for the rest of our lives, which is how we've kind of our sin against God. But one of the things that we should see in that is that means that while God alone is the one who can forgive a debt that big, right? He's the one that can absorb that kind of debt. We're not accountable to forgive anything except those things that are kind of within our realm to forgive. You actually can forgive that other person for what they've done for you. That's a debt that's, he's saying it's manageable for you. You could let it go, especially if you understand what's been released to you by your own forgiveness. You're tens of millions in the hole. It's like you you won the lotto. And then, like I said, God didn't just leave it flush. He he, he then added life on top of that, kept you on as a a servant, as a, a, and not only that, he brings us on as kids and, I mean, in his household. With that kind of influx into your account, he says, you're able to manage anything that's out there in forgiveness. Okay? But that means we, we have to understand. We have to understand, you know, what forgiveness is. But first I want to look at this, this, last, this last line because that actually gives the, the groundwork for that last line where Jesus says, so my father, you know, when he talks about handing over to this, this um, jailer, this relentless unmerciful jailer. He says, so my father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And what, he, what he's saying is, you know, um, God's, you know, it, he actually, he follows up not only here, but also in the, the Lord's Prayer. He says the same thing. If you, if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. If you do forgive, you will be forgiven. It makes it sound like we're earning God's forgiveness by forgiving other people. But in this story, it shows us, no, God's forgiveness always comes first. Right? God has, has just, he's cleared our account. He's added to our account. He says, so therefore, you need to be forgiving. Why? Because that's, that's the nature of the universe. That's the, that's the laws of the house. That's the, that's the framework that made this house great. It's, the, it's the, very, the strength and power of God is found in this thing called forgiveness. And so the only way, sure, you think you, you found some relief, but the only way that you're going to find actually life is to actually invest in this thing that gives life to this household, which is this nature of God, this forgiving nature of God. You can, you can revel in the fact that God's forgiven me, but it's only those who then turn and who reflect the same nature in the way they, reflect, they, they forgive others, they're the ones that are going to find, they're going to find the freedom that actually they've been released into. Because there's something about when we withhold forgiveness to those who we need to forgive that we end up, it's not just they that end up in prison, we end up in a prison as well. Right? And he says that's, that too is the nature of the universe. Not because God's a vindictive God, but because there's something about withholding 
There's something about withholding that forgiveness and, and keeping that person locked up in this. It's two things. One, keeping them locked up in this prison of what they owe, but it's also keeping ourselves locked into this role where we're like custodians of their, of their punishment. Right? And you're constantly having to pay attention to, are they getting punished enough? Because if not, I've got to go to God and say, God, you're not punishing them enough. Right? And God says, you're in prison. And you're with this relentless taskmaster that will not let you off the hook until you pay me back. Because you will never be satisfied. You'll never f- be free of the guilt of not paying me back if you're demanding that they keep paying you back. So what is forgiveness? <laughs> what is this thing that God is asking of us? The first is this. Forgiveness is not forgetting what's happened in the past. It's not forgetting what's happened in the past. We can't do that. We just don't. Our minds won't let us. There are some things that when you wake up in the morning, you're going to remember them as soon as you wake up every single day because they're going to stick with you because God has given us memories. It was meant to be a blessing, but it also, this is hard, and you can't let it go. It's not, that's not forgiveness. Not forgetting what happened. It's also, it is not ignoring this person who has hurt you, who is wounded, that is not ignoring who they may continue to be in the present. Right? You don't have to keep going back to that person. It's not being best friends with somebody who's going to abuse or going to traumatize or going to take advantage of you. It's not that. That's not forgiveness. That's foolish. To walk into that again and again and to just enable them to continue to be because that doesn't, that doesn't release them to be able to find God's freedom. That doesn't release you to find God's freedom, which is what his point is. So that you might find the life that he intended for you. That's not forgiveness. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is this. It is releasing, it's two things. Again, it is releasing that person from any debt they owe you. And it's releasing yourself from having to seek that debt to be repaid. It's releasing you from trying to seek out their punishment. And what that does is it ends up, it actually frees you up for a, for a secondary thing that reflects God's heart too. You can quit hating this person. You can quit seeking their demise and instead reflect God's heart. And like he says, start loving your enemy. Start seeking their good. Not seeking everything they want, but seeking their actual good. You can start praying for them instead of praying that God would just squash them, right? <laughs> so forgiveness frees the other persons from the constraints. And we, we, don't, we don't always see this. It's like, what do you mean they're constrained? You guys, you don't understand the spiritual power that you have and the spiritual power that ties in when you talk about these fundamental kind of underpinnings of the universe. You don't understand how much power you have when you do not forgive that literally locks somebody in, spiritually locks them in. It will keep them from being able to find the freedom that's theirs in God. It will keep them. You will become one of the obstacles that will keep that person from finding that life that God intends for them because you have thrown them in prison. You have that power. You have that power. But because of that, God is seeking to release them, so he will not let you stand in the way of him... <laughs> giving that person the opportunity. Whether they take it or not, that's, that's them. But to give them the opportunity to find that life that he intended for all of us, that same life that you have found. 
that same forgiveness that you have found with him. He desires that for them as well. So he's saying, don't, don't stand in that way. So forgiveness, it frees that other person from that jail that you have put them in. It also frees you from that, that job, that relentless job, which is really that, that prison that you put yourself in of trying to seek your own revenge, trying to seek your own payment, trying to seek this thing that will never get repaid. Now, something to realize about this one is Jesus at no point in these stories does he ever say, does he ever say, that the, the, the pain, the debt incurred, or the, the, um, the consequences of that debt, that they're not real, right? All that he says is that there's only one who can absorb the kind of debt that's caused in these, right? The father was wealthy enough to take on the debt. But then he went out to the son, his older son, he says, listen, I've, I've absorbed the debt, you should enjoy the party. And the older son is saying, no, I can't do that. Can't, can't, and so he stuck himself in his own prison outside of the house, right? And this, this, this servant had done the same thing. He said, listen, I've, I can, the king says, I can absorb the debt that you, you had. And any debt that this guy has, I've, I can absorb it all. And still keep you on, keep you alive, keep you involved in this household, this good house that, that you're a part of now. I can, I can, I can absorb that, I alone. But he says, you need to reflect that in the way that you, you don't hold the grudges. You don't put people in those prisons either. So, but he said, it's not that it, it, it isn't anything. It's not that it's trivial or it's inconsequential. Yes, I, it's like he, Jesus knows what it means for you to forgive. He knows what that means. He knows at times 10 millions, right? He knows. He knows what he's asking you to do. And he doesn't say that it's meaningless. In fact, he says this is the very, it's, 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 the, it's the thing that he, I mean, God has given, in, in Philippians it says he was given the name above every name because of the price that he paid. And in the same way we, in reflecting him, that glory that comes to us is just that we are reflecting the very nature of, of Jesus. Amen? So what, what can we do with that? I think there are two things. One is this. Some of us don't forgive um, because we, even if we, even if we say we know the forgiveness of God, we're not trusting it. We're not, we're not living in it. We don't, we're waiting for God's other, the other shoe to drop, right? We're, we're waiting for God to come around because we know what we've done. We're waiting for God to come collect. And if we're waiting for God to come collect because we don't believe that he's really canceled it, then we're not going to cancel any of the debts that we have with uh, that others have with us, right? We're like, I got to, I got to kind of, I have to, I have to watch my back. I can't let others off the hook because if God's going to come around, I got to have something that I'm pulling off of, right? Um, so the first thing is that we need to know is that when we confess, we come to God and we confess through Jesus. We confess, I'm broken, I'm in debt, I need. Not, I can't pay you back. I need your compassion and your forgiveness. That's what I need. When we, can, we need to know that at that moment in Jesus, we are forgiven. You need to know that. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, everything is canceled in the way that only he can do, that he absorbed it, that the life that we needed to pay, what we saw on the cross is that Jesus came so that we could see it clearly he paid it. He absorbed the debt, and it's gone. 
And you need to know that because you need to know that you're forgiven. Romans 8 says that there's no condemnation. No condemnation. Past, present, future. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. We need to trust it. We need to believe it. We need to live it. We need to walk in it. We need to let that frame us, that we are forgiven in Jesus. You need to know that. Why? Because the second thing is this. We need to forgive. Whatever that thing is, that, that story, that story that's the hardest, you need to forgive. You need to forgive so that one, that, that other person can be freed up so that God might reach him. Whether, again, whether they ever take advantage of it or not, they need to be freed up so that God might, you wouldn't be the one standing in the way of them finding, finding life in Christ. Okay? But the second is so that you can be free to live actually the life that God's called you to. That you haven't tied yourself to some job that's actually a jail. That you haven't tied yourself to try and make someone pay for what they've done for you. You're actually the one that's being held hostage by your own unforgiveness at times. And God wants you free from that just as much as he wants you freed from the debt. So, Again, this doesn't say you have to become friends. It doesn't say that, you know, you're, everything's, um, you know, that you have to act like nothing happened. It's not that. It's just that. You have to let them go, right? You have to let it go. So you guys, this morning, I, um, again, this is, this is God's toughest math because this is the math that's at the core of the universe. But this is the math that's probably most essential for us to get right. For us to get right. So that, that story, when we were talking about it, the story that all of us have, that, that picture, that person, that offense, whatever it is, where you have been deep, most deeply wounded right, by this person, by this situation. And, and you guys, I am telling you, I know some of those go deep. This isn't something that you just snap your finger and, it's, it, and everything feels okay. But you can forgive. And you can make that mark where you say, okay, I let that go. And I will begin to that process of learning how to live according to that. But I will let that go. And tomorrow when I wake up and I try and take a hold of it again, I will let that go. And the next day when I wake up and I try, I will let that go. Because I want to live in the freedom that God has bought for me with the blood of Jesus. And I want to find the life that he intended for me. Amen?